0: Happy Tuesday. Welcome to NSN Daily. Chris Murray, Alex Margulies, I'm Brian Samudio, Anthony Resnick, producing behind the scenes. A uh, big show for you again today. Uh, Zane Meeks, Nevada big man, is going to join us here on the show from his home back in the Midwest. Take out Tuesday, Estella, Tacos, and Mezcal. Alex bringing mm-hmm. us some of the best from uh, from around the area. This one's uh, across the street from Louis Bass Corner. I need to check this place out. Didn't even know it existed. Yeah, it's good. It's good. Yeah, it sounds really good. Film Friday, Julian Delgadio is going to join us. And we, we're trying to convince this young man to stop watching apocalypse films. Really, I have a suggestion for him. And he's not it's going to come out of nowhere. He's not going to understand <laughs> it. But uh, also, our, our GOAT bracket continues. It's going to be Lyle Overbay against Le- Lisa Mackey. We'll delve into that later on in the show. But um, we had a chance to talk with Jay Norvell on Monday. He uh, held a Zoom press conference. Uh, Chris... Uh, what were your impressions? Uh, aside from he's got the mustache, I'm going to buy him a Stetson black cowboy hat. He could be mm-hmm. Sheriff of Tombstone.
1: Yeah, he's looking good, uh, looking healthy. Um, I, I Just that he has a lot of optimism for there being a season in 2020. I flat out asked, What is your confidence level that there's going to be a college football season? And he said he believes there will be a season. He thinks there's a lot of smart people in America and things will be sorted out by the time the season rolls around. He's actually part of a, a three or four coach committee among Mountain West coaches uh, that have developed these plans to get ready for the season so they've developed an eight-week plan a six-week plan a four-week plan of kind of a practice schedule leading into the year and he says yeah. he's not 100% convinced that it will necessarily be a regular start time at the beginning of September um, but he does think that there will be a season potentially even into the spring if worst case scenario happens um, he kind of talked a little bit about Nevada didn't have a chance to have spring football and some Mountain West schools did and uh, you know he would like to have some of those uh, practices back if things are looking good over the summer maybe it's an OTA kind of style thing which they do in the nfl so just a lot of optimism from him and he expressed some concern for his student athletes because everybody who went home they don't go necessarily to a house that is set up uh, to have a lot of academic success it's not like they have their own study area you know some of them share rooms and things like that so he showed a lot of concern but Uh, Business as usual for his team. Every day from uh, 9 a.m. to noon, uh, they're on calls together as a team, and it's all football. And then after that, they kind of break off and do their own thing, their academic work, and the coaches do the recruiting. So he's trying to keep it as normal and as scheduled as possible.
0: All right, here's part of that Zoom press conference. Jane Orville talking about the challenges that his team and coaching staff have
2: faced having to do this virtually. We challenged our players to act uncommonly through this. And what I mean by that is, um, you know, they're, they're in an unstructured environment being at home. Uh, it really counts on their personal discipline uh, to, to really get the most out of this time. Um, and so we've spent a lot of time together as a team talking about that in our meetings. Um, it has been totally on our players to train and exercise, uh, on their own time, and so you know we've given them some structure with that, but it's 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 voluntary. It's on their own. Um, we can't follow up on that. Um, uh, the rules won't allow us to. And so all the all the uh, personal responsibility that we've talked about and grown as a team, the work ethic, those those qualities are all coming into play now. Um, because it really comes down to the individual and their dedication to preparing for the 2020 season. Um, our our captains are doing a fabulous job of staying in touch with the, our team. They're talking to them about the challenges of exercising and of working at home and remember you know, the gyms are all closed, so these kids are doing push-ups and sit-ups and running in the park and, and really having to be creative to be college athletes and do the things that they've always done their whole lives. And so um, that, that has been very different as well. Um, you know, Saturday would have been our spring game. Uh, it's amazing that this month has gone as quickly as it has. Um, we have a schedule in the off season that we've stayed true to and, uh, basically get up in the morning and everything before noon is all football. So it's scheme, it's opponent scout, uh, it's advanced scouting. Uh, it's, it's reviewing every single play that we run and making sure our kids understand the details of that. Um, it's having our kids be interactive with us going over our drill structure, all those things. Um, in the afternoon from, from 12 to five after you make a sandwich or something, it's all recruiting. And so we staff meet every day at 1.30 and we have uh, recruiting calls that we make in the afternoons. Our, our coaches are way ahead evaluation-wise than we've ever been. Um, and, uh, and we communicate with players, recruits in the afternoon. One good thing about that is that these kids are home right now. And so we know where they are, we know how to get to them, and we can communicate with them. And we've actually utilized this this Zoom function to talk to our recruits. So in some ways, we're way ahead of where we normally would be because we've had a little bit more time to address those types of things.
0: Well, Coach Norvell, very optimistic. Alex, where's your mindset here? I mean, you've covered this enough. Uh, Where are you confident wise that we're going to have a college football season? I think there's got to be some
3: kind of college football season, whether it's one play without fans, whether it's one that's scaled down, maybe doesn't include non-conference. Is it something like Chris said, Is it go into the spring? You have to think there's some sort of college football that's going to be played. There's just too much money tied into the TV contracts. Uh, And these guys want to play. They want to try and figure out some way to do this. Uh, I don't think it's going to be easy. It's clearly not going to be easy. But some version of college football, I'll, I'll be optimistic with that. Yeah, why not? Like, why not? Let's, let's give it a shot. And, and hopefully, you know, something gets put together here this upcoming season.
0: I agree with you. I think we're going to have college football. I think it's going to be in a bridge season. I would not be surprised if it's nothing but conference play uh, come the fall into the of spring. Got him next here on NSN Daily. Big Z Meeks made a splash in his freshman year at the University of Nevada. We'll catch up with the sophomore-to-be coming up next. Welcome back to NSN Daily. Uh, We've been able to catch up with a number of uh, Nevada student athletes as they kind of get through what we're all doing right now. Zane Meeks uh, joining us right now, coming off of a stellar freshman campaign for the Wolfpack men's basketball team. Uh, Zane, uh, what are you doing to keep your sanity? That's kind of the first question I usually ask. Uh, What are you doing to get by right now in a time that none of us have really ever seen?
4: Well, I have a basketball ball in my house, which is, you know, the best thing ever. Uh, My brother and I, we try to go lift four times a week. We've been pretty consistent with that. You know, try to get some sort of schedule down. They say, you know, you schedule during quarantine. That's what we've been trying to do. But, you know, play basketball, play a lot of Fortnite, lift a lot. It's pretty much what I've been doing.
1: (laughs) And taking classes, right, online? How's that going? Oh, yeah, we
4: got online classes, too. Yeah, yeah, that, too.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Easier or harder to do the the online classes rather than the in-person classes?
4: I'm an in-person person. I like to see, you know, it's, it's hard when you're sitting at home all day to log on and watch a lecture about, you know, derivatives online when, you know, you just go play Fortnite. So, I mean, I've been pretty good with it, but, you know, I'd much rather be in class.
3: Okay, so between you
4: and your brothers, who's the best Fortnite player? I'm the best Fortnite player by far. My younger brother's a way better war zone, which is Call of Duty Fortnite, basically. He's way better <laughs> at that than I am. How good is it to have when you guys are there together and, and then even just competing, you know, being able to play basketball against he I know he's a tall kid, but how tall is your brother? My, so I'm like six, nine, six tennis and he's like six, eight, he's getting real close. Now I'm never going to admit he's taller than me, but he's getting really, really close to me. I'm like, he's getting really close.
0: Zane, you probably got the better, one of the better virtual backgrounds that we've seen so far. Uh, but the detail I really like to it and we're detailed guys is two and Oh, Versus UNLV. I mean, how long yes. did it take you to realize once you got on campus how big this rivalry is? I mean, these schools are 400 plus miles apart, but there's only two in this entire Silver State. How long did it take you to realize it's a big deal? You got to beat UNLV.
4: Well, it, it, it didn't take, I didn't have to get on campus. I tweeted out I committed, and uh, like the sixth comment was from a UNLV fan saying, you know, it was like, this is a horrible choice. What are you doing? The city sucks. And I was like, oh, okay, this is going to be awesome. Let's go. <laughs> this is going to be fun.
1: Is it fair to say then that that game at UNLV, winning in overtime, was was the most fun game you played this year, or what would you kind of mark down as is the most enjoyable win of the season? That that was definitely that was like it was
4: so hot. The emotions were high and low. I mean, the stadium was packed. That was really fun playing at the pits. Fun. That was a blast. Those are probably my top two, and then probably beating them again at Lawler's. Probably those are top three right there.
3: You know, Zane, uh, I was on the trip with you guys to the Virgin Islands, of Paradise Jam. Yeah, I know I had a really good time. You know, it was pretty easy for me. What was your experience getting to go to, to a place like that, and not only play basketball, but just to enjoy that kind of scenery and that kind of environment with your teammates?
4: Well, it was re- it was really fun. But you got to remember, we had just come off getting absolutely blasted to Davidson. I mean, we have got blasted. I mean, the... the you know, we were trying to have a fun time, but I'll tell you the the 48 hours before we finally, I think for first round was Fordham, we finally beat Fordham. I mean, it was like, you know, it was nobody's outside. Do not, do not even look at the beach. Don't look at the ocean. Don't even feel the warm air. No, focus, focus, focus. We got to beat Fordham. And then we beat Fordham and then it was like, all right, you know, we're good. <laughs> and now we can go for a swim. Yeah, now we can go for a swim. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Tell me about this freshman campaign and adjusting from, from the high school level to Division one basketball. What do you think you learned over this year, and what do you think you learned from Coach Alford, you know, somebody who has been there, done that, and has done everything?
4: I mean, I learned a ton of stuff, you know. I, it was the third game of the year, and uh, I remember very specifically, they were running this single ball screen play right at me, and they had this freshman point guard, and he pulled up, he hit a three, and then you know, like two players did the same thing, and hit the three right before the buzzer, and I just got chewed out in the way of the locker room I don't think he put me in the second half and that was like when I was like all right this is serious you know he pretty got on him. I think we won pretty easily but I mean he was just on me like crazy and I was like dude I just he shot it from like career range like what am I supposed to do <laughs> like, but that was the first thing I was like all right you know this is serious like there's not high school basketball where you mess up you know okay what and I was like you know it's is serious basketball here man
1: yeah, I mean, you had a really good freshman season. You guys have a pretty big uh, high school freshman class coming in this next year. Five guys signed in November. What would be your advice to them to be able to come in and be able to be an immediate uh, contributor and be a good player as a freshman?
4: Uh, with Coach offered, play defense and be able to make threes. That's, that's, the, key to, that's <laughs> the key to it. The second, uh, you know, the first part I need to work on, I got the second part down pretty well. But, you know, play defense, make threes. You're going to get on the court with Coach. Zane, what do you feel like you took away from your
3: freshman season as how to get better? I mean, obviously, your three-point game is incredible. Everyone tell you know said that you're one of the best three-point shooters on the team, and, and you know, your your work ethic towards that's great. Where do you feel like, okay, if I'm going to take the next step as a sophomore and beyond, like, I got to be able to do these
4: things? Personally, I have to be able to guard really well on the perimeter. You know, it's um, one thing I've always struggled with. I've gotten a lot better. You know, i done a ton of lateral movement stuff back home. And then, second of all, offensively, I got to develop inside. You know, I can – out there and I can shoot catch and shoot threes with the best of them, you know, but a lot of times towards the end of the year, they're just switching on me, putting little guys on me. And that's just a point in which I got to get the ball, you know, take two dribbles and get a basket every single time.
0: Zane, where, where does your three-point ring start? Is it coming down the ramp at Lawler? Or is that when you're starting to look at the hoop I can hit from here. It just seems like you have to have that type of confidence as a shooter. You you remind me of Nick Vizikas, that type of size and frame at 6'11", and Nick was it, the second he walked in the gym, he was in range.
4: I mean, personally, I can, put my, I can put my heels on where, like, the jump circle starts at half court and not really have to change my shot or anything. That's about – if I take a step back, from there, that's when I really got to start, you know, jumping or kind of shooting a little off. But my heels right on the edge of the
1: tip circle is where I – that's about where I stop shooting normally. Where would you say the confidence comes from? I mean, it seems like you think every shot's going to go in, and that, that is a really valuable thing to have that belief in yourself.
4: I, I couldn't tell you where it's coming from. My dad asked me that all the time. Coach asks that question my dad every time he sees me. He's like, where did you get this confidence from? And I don't know. Like, I just everything. Like, honestly, I tell myself all the time I could have been a D1 pitcher. I could have been a D1 football player. Could I have been? Probably not. I just, you know, I just believe it. I don't know. I just, just believe. <laughs> Dan, we talked about your brother
3: before, and you just mentioned your dad. Uh, your dad is I, – I think he was at almost every single game this year. I, I recall seeing him pretty much every time. How important is it that you had your family and that your family was able to come see you play so much as a freshman?
4: Well, you know, it was, it was a huge blessing. You know, it was awesome to see my dad out there all the time. And actually, we had a running joke when I was getting recruited with my family that, you know, the, required, one of the, the only requirement was that there was a direct southwest flight from Kansas City to whatever city I played in. And we actually, we actually broke the only rule of recruiting that we had. There is no direct from South or from Kansas City to uh, Reno. You have to go through Phoenix or Denver. So that's the only downside of it. But it is absolutely awesome having my family at every game. It is so nice.
0: Zane, basketball aside, moving out here out west and coming from uh, the Kansas City area, uh, hi. Welcome to Mountains and uh, Lake Tahoe. Is sure. there anything that you, once you got out here and you've been able to kind of explore and get out and see things that you've fallen in love with geographically?
4: Yeah. I love the mountains. I had mountains at Brewster and it was the first time I'd really ever been around mountains. You know, I came back home and I'm looking out my window right now and it, you can see for miles in Kansas. You know, my dad grew up in Western Kansas and Kinsley and you can actually see the city, the biggest city nearby is Dodge City, 45 miles away and you can see the lights of it on a clear night. So that's the type of mountains I'm dealing with. I'm dealing with small hills and I'm, you know, Reno, just those beautiful Tahoe
1: mountains are right there. It's awesome. I know we were chatting a little bit earlier before you came on uh, you know just about next season how worried are you that there might not be a next season that you might not have the opportunity to you know suit up with these guys again uh, next year?
4: Personally I'm already starting to mentally prepare for the fact that we may not play or that we may start in May or something you know I, I don't think anybody knows I think it's one of those things that's just you know just stay ready you know if you're stay ready you don't have to get ready kind of mentality and you know, just hope those smart people can get a vaccine rolling and we can start going in, you know, October. That's, that's just what I'm hoping for.
3: Uh, go back to the, just the Reno part, Zane. How much was, was the scenery and being able to have access to a place like Lake Tahoe and being in the mountains and being out west, how important was that to you in the recruiting process of coming and playing for the Wolfpack?
4: Um, it, was, it was, you know, it, was, you know it, it mattered to me. I wanted to be somewhere warm. But, you know, I've, I've been out east. I didn't really like – I didn't really like the northeast very much, so I wanted to come out west for sure. And I like the warm weather. Coach Alford, I mean, Coach Alford and the staff are just incredible. I mean, that's, you know, that's where it starts and really ends. I mean, Coach is incredible. The facilities are incredible. I mean, Noodles is an offensive wizard. Um, just everything about it. Eck is absolutely exceptional. I and mean, it, was, it was, you know, Reno and the community was a huge part of it, but you got to understand the coaching staff is just some of the best there is, and that's really the reason I decided to go to Nevada. Speaking of Coach Eck, uh, Julian Delgadio just
3: published an article, Zane. I don't know if you saw the top six I, I actually read it. I'm mad at Mad Eck was number one on this. Did, did you find an exception that Chris was not mentioned in the top six of that
4: article by Julian? Well, I saw that and I was actually kind of expecting to see Chris and I didn't see him. And I was like, We're just some NSN beef going on or like what's going on? Man? Like, Chris has a fathead. He has a fat-headed Lawler. Like, how is he not in the top six? That's, that's what I, we need a Coach Eck fathead. I'm going to get on that. I'm tweeting that out. We need a Coach Eck fathead. <laughs> Here we go. Yes.
0: Zane Meeks joining us here on NSN Daily. Uh, Zane, before we let you go, um, looking toward your sophomore season and being optimistic and, and you know, basketball will return. You know, we're yes. going to be able to see you guys back out of the court again. It didn't take long for fans to realize you're a vocal player. You're an emotional player. and People kind of were, were magnetized to that, really drawn to that. What type of a leadership role do you want to take as a sophomore, as what we mentioned earlier, a large freshman class coming in, with Nevada fans under Coach Musselman didn't see freshmen yeah. coming in traditionally. What kind of a role do you want to play?
4: Well, I, you know, I would like to be the team leader, if, I, if at all possible. You know, it is going to be a completely different year for a lot of reasons than it was freshman year. You know, we don't have Lindsay, We don't have Jazz. We don't have Niz. You know, we don't have JC. You know, I'd I love to have Jalen back in as my roommate, but, you know, there's a very good chance he's gone. So, you know, we may be looking at you know, five of our top, what, eight guys are gone. You know, there's a chance that me, a freshman, could be your leading returning score. I mean, it's going to be a completely different ride. You know, so my goal to the freshman would be, you know, come and ready to work, play defense, be able to make threes. You know, let's have some fun with it, but most of all, you know, let's win games. You know, Reno is an incredible community. You've got some great fans. You know, let's get them in the Lawler. Let's get Lawler roaring. Let's get it like every game like UNLV was. And you know, let's just, just go win some games, get ourselves a Mountain West title, and. You know, see how the tournament looks, whether it's whether that starts in October, whether, you know, first practice in October, first practice in June, you know, same
1: mission.
0: Zane, we really appreciate your time. Uh, stay safe and uh, enjoy the quarantine. And, you know, your brother will never be taller than you and let him know that NSN knows that.
4: He might be 7'2", and he's not going to be ever taller than me. <laughs> All right. See you guys. Thank you.
0: Zane, thanks very much. We'll have much more coming up on NSN Daily right after this.
3: Welcome back to NSN Daily Takeout Tuesday. I'm Alex Margulies, joined by Harrison Cooper of Estella, which is on 4th Street in downtown Reno, connected to the Jesse's, the head executive chef, and uh, that was my takeout this past week. Harrison, first of all, thanks so much for joining us. Uh, How are you coping with uh, what's all going on right now? You guys seem to be keeping uh, pretty busy.
5: Yeah, we're doing all right. Uh, We've had a great response to our takeout program uh, twice a week, keeping the demand high, but – So serving high quality food, Um, you know, we set the bar high with our restaurant, um, Estella, and uh, we're just happy to be able to provide um, quality meals for people, you know, stuck at the house, maybe don't want to cook every night. So uh, just happy to be able to support the community, um, be positive, uh, you know, part of the community. So we're very, very lucky. You know, one thing I liked about doing this, it wasn't
3: just your normal takeout. You know, it wasn't just pick it up and eat. And I love to cook. So there was a little bit of, all right, you're going to put it together a little bit. But basically, I got kind of a tub of, of uh, the pork verde. And then I also had the, the mushroom chorizo tacos. Um, tell people about, you know, putting these dishes together and, and kind of what comes in their kit when they, when they kind of pick something
5: up with you guys. Uh, well, we're offering uh, one and two pound kits. Uh, we try to offer a couple of proteins and a vegetarian option. Um, we take uh, a lot of pride in our vegetarian and vegan dishes. Try to offer something different for the community. Um, along with that, you get everything that would come with the taco at the restaurant: um, cheese, cilantro, red and green salsa, um, chips, and then plenty of tortillas for the uh, amount of amount of food you get. So people are, you know, I love seeing the uh, Instagram posts of breakfast the next morning, um, people getting creative with the food that we're providing. Um, but uh, it's a substantial meal. Um, we're getting great feedback. Um, and we feel pretty confident that it's not, as far as quality goes, much different than what you would get um, coming into Estella in, eating at the restaurant. One well, thing that's cool, I think about you
3: guys is, you know there's a lot of different kinds of Mexican food, right? You can go and get tacos and burritos and enchiladas. And I love every kind of Mexican food, whether it's fancy, whether it's cheap, whether it's a street taco, whether it's a fancy taco, you guys are, are kind of on the higher end of things where you're really high quality. Everything's made from scratch. So like, what do you guys make your tortillas from example? Those are made from scratch. Tell people just the way that you guys have kind of approached this style of, of making
5: tacos and Mexican food. Well, I was lucky enough to go to Mexico city for a month uh, last year before uh, opening Estella, And I really got the sense of the importance of the tortilla and corn to that whole culture. Um, So coming back, the the tortilla was very important. It's not just sort of a platform to build a taco on, it's a very important part of the taco. So um, if I had the ability to, I would love to be able to uh, cook and mix my own um, masa. Right now we source it from a place called El Rosal in Sparks. Uh, We buy it in bulk. It is uh, portioned in the restaurant and pressed by hand. Every uh, daily. So the, the tortillas you're getting when you come to eat are you know less than an hour um, pressed. same with the ones you're getting that your you take out. know those are cooked, pressed and cooked um, you know minutes or hours before um, you're coming in to pick your food up. Um, and it makes all the difference. You know people comment on the quality of the, tor- the tortilla, the texture, the flavor it adds, the whole other dimension to the taco, and um, I think is um, a great base that we start on. Um, along with the sor- uh, fresh sourcing ingredients, trying to stay local, stuff like that. I got to tell you, like, I'm not a big corn tortilla guy. Like,
3: I'm, I always go flour, but you just knocked my socks off, man. You really could taste the difference of it being fresh-pressed. And I think when you do get a corn tortilla like that, it becomes like the Holy Grail. Like, now you want all corn tortillas to taste like that. Unfortunately, they just don't always do that. So I really like that. And then so I got to tell you, my wife, uh, she's a big Mexican food uh, connoisseur, you could say. She thought your tortilla chips were the best she's had in town. <laughs> so you taking those same tortilla, the uh, uh, tortillas you're making for for the tacos, and then just kind
5: of cutting those up and making chips out of them. Correct. It's just they're pressed thinner, um, but same masa, um, and then just fr- fried in house. Yeah. So just trying to just keep it as fresh as possible, um, and it's it's awesome that people can tell the difference. So let's
3: talk about your vegetarian because that was uh, even when I ate at the restaurant before you know this whole shutdown. I, I believe I had like a cauliflower taco the one time I was there, but this time it was a, a, a mushroom chorizo. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know how you got this to taste like like I was eating like a pork chorizo, but it tasted <laughs> like chorizo. How did you do this with mushrooms and what inspires you to cook with these vegetarian options?
5: Well, I uh, have been very lucky to work for some very talented chefs uh, in, in my past. Uh, my last restaurant I was at before this was called State Peripher Provisions and uh, very much a vegetarian driven restaurant. Um, we had our own farm that provided us all of our produce. And so there I learned a lot of cool techniques on how to, uh, make vegetables, not taste like vegetables anymore. Um, and so I was just applying those techniques to, uh, the cuisine at Estella. Um, I'm a big mushroom fan. Um, I think they're a great, a great base as far as texture, um, and flavor for something like chorizo. And then, um, just putting our own spin on it, you know, making it fun. Um, we also do a smoked mushroom taco um, at the restaurant when um, we're open, um, and so that was also another inspiration, sort of coming from my my past working vegetables. They get lightly smoked and then you know charred very well in the plancha, so they get you know nice and meaty. And if you close your eyes and took a bite, you wouldn't really tell they're mushrooms. I've had people come in and say, "I hate mushrooms," they eat that taco, and they they're pretty impressed. So I've just been very lucky to work for who I've worked for in the past. Um, and then just taking what I learned in Mexico City for the month I was there and then applying, you know, my, um, my past learnings and just, you know, trying to do the best we can at Estella. And people seem to be, to be very receptive. So we're, we're very fortunate. All right, we got to talk about the
3: meat. So I had the, the pork chili verde, uh, really, really good spice to it. Nice,
5: nice balanced flavor. Uh, how do you guys make that? Uh, that's just a lot of, you know, bright, fresh ingredients. We use, you know, two or three fresh chilies, um, an herb that's pretty prominent in Mexican cuisine that people might not be very familiar with. It's called epizote. Um, it's uh, very pungent, very strong, and um, that goes in there as well, cilantro. So it's it's traditional, I would say. I mean, I learned made it a lot um, working with, Uh, Latinos in past restaurants for staff meal for um, for the guys for dinner and stuff like that Um, but just bright and fresh is is the main um, focus with that one I think it goes well with the pork Um, and uh, so something you got to focus on with this to-go program is things that are going to travel well that will be easy to uh, heat back up at home and uh, the chili verde just to us seem like a crowd pleaser. Something that we could make a lot of at the restaurant, high-quality stuff, fresh ingredients, fresh pork, um, and it, it turned out nice. All right,
3: Harrison, before we let you go, uh, tell us more about, uh, about the Jesse and Estella. I had a chance to go check it out before this whole shutdown, but you know, when things do open back up, people come check out your place,
5: come check out the Jesse, what, what kind of environment are they going to find? They're going to find a very fun, laid-back um, environment we're gonna have a, our patio open up here once once we're able to open up and it's in my opinion one of the best patios in town it's 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 large we're gonna have a DJ out there um, on certain Saturdays um, so you can come in and it's there's you know two different outlets three different outlets you can go to come to the patio get some tacos get one of our batch cocktails go inside of the Jesse you know get a, a shaking cocktail from our bartender Paul and one of the other people working there. Um, so it's just, it's just a fun environment, um, especially, you know, when the sun's starting to go down, um, and it's staying warm late. Um, it's, just, it's just, you know, high energy, um, good people, good food. Um, and it's, it's, it's a good time. So it's, it's a unique experience, something that you can't really find elsewhere in Reno, um, in my opinion. And uh, we're just looking forward to opening our doors back up again because we're, we're just so excited um, and ready for, uh, for the summertime. All right. So as I look for more
3: Takeout Tuesday places, you're a chef. So I got to ask you, when you're going to get some food right now, what are
5: some of your favorite spots? I'm a big fan of Quox. Okay. Um, I oh, like yeah. they, just, they just started doing takeout again. Um, I'm a big fan of the Eclipse Pizza. Um, Smiling with Hope Pizza. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, I have if I want some uh Asian food, I go to Mudang um, if I'm in a mood for a burger uh, I love beefies. Um, so yeah this is, I've been doing a lot more cooking at home, which is nice, um, but going out and supporting the community and supporting our fellow restaurants and and other uh, industry folks um, during this time is super important as well. so awesome man. really appreciate it Harrison keep uh keep killing
3: it over there at Estella. I uh, can't wait to see you guys once we open back up.
5: Thank you so much. Appreciate
3: it. All right. We'll have more of NSN Daily coming up just after a quick break.
0: Welcome back into NSN Daily. Rolling on here on your Monday. You know, uh, every member of our team has been contributing a heck of a lot more. And I want to thank everybody for that because, you know, adding content is what we're trying to do and, and add a lot more to our websites. And Julian has taken on a couple of things. Shannon, Jenna, Alex, as usual. Um, and then Chris has been an absolute machine. But, uh, you know, when it comes to Mr. Delgadio, we had to try and find out, all right, what are your specialties? And movies is definitely one of them. And you published, uh, was, that was your first Film Friday this last first Friday. Right? So
6: so I realized, so this article is about uh, the movie The Road, came out around 2009 era. Um, I was still in high school at that point, And I remember watching it. And I remember it impacting me so much because I, I just felt like it was important. It was simple, but you know the scenes throughout the entire picture were just like, just you, you're just in it. You know, you feel like you're in this post-apocalyptic, you know, sad world. You don't know what happened, and you're just trying to survive at least. Or these the two heroes, Vigo Mortensen and his and his boy, and it's based off a book by Cormac McCarthy. But I, I wrote about it because I. It right,
0: that's it right over your shoulder, Chris, right? There it is.
6: The Road.
1: Hey, you have it. Did you read it? Did you enjoy that book? Uh, I've yeah, never no, read No, it's actually in my top 10 list of books. I, I was asked on a Monday Mailbag question, my top three. It didn't quite make the top three, but it made the next three. It is an amazing book. And I mean, especially as a father of a son. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, because it is the father and the son going through this world by themselves, being scared of whether they're going to be able to survive the next day. And then there's the metaphor of the fire burning within. And yeah, it's, it's a really, really good book. Um, I did see the movie a couple years after reading the book. And, you know, whenever you read a book first, I think you're going to think the book is better. Yeah. Um, but I think the movie was still pretty solid as well. Vigo did do a really good job. And uh, yeah, it's just, a, I think, especially for a parent, but for anybody, it's just, you know, Cormac is a, is a really good author. Uh, has written a ton of, of really successful books that did turn into movies. And and for me, one of my favorite books I've ever read.
0: Alex, have you seen the movie, Al? I have not seen that. I have
3: not. No, I, I didn't. You know, Julian has been diving into a lot of disaster movies during this whole day. Do- I, feel, I feel like you've calmed down a little bit. Like in the beginning of Coronavirus, it was like Uh-ohs. a disaster movie at night. So I guess I wanted to ask you, do you have like your top, what is like your top five coronavirus disaster movie what is your disaster movie playlist look like right now
6: you know i i i took your advice i stopped watching uh, disaster movies shortly after this stuff really hit the fan um but i recommended the road to everyone you know i was saying uh, brian i know you and i talked on the phone at one point i'm like you got to watch this movie but i i recommended it to so many people but i forgot if it was actually good you know so i felt like i should probably rewatch it even though i never wanted to see it again but as far as the list goes i think outbreak definitely has to make that that's based off a book called The Hot Zone by Richard Preston that I actually read back in high school, one of my all-time favorite books. Um, so that one stuck out. I Am Legend, another great apocalypse film um, that is a better book than movie, but I think the movie did it justice. Hug Your Dog, uh, because that's... that's. I'll never be-
0: see it. I'll never see it, and I'm sorry if it's a spoiler. <laughs> you don't do that in a movie. Hot, so, Hot that's
6: Zone. Hot yeah, Zone. Oh. Preston. I love that book so much, and and that book right now, actually, it's so scary because... You know, you, you kind of think about all the, the COVID-19 panic and, and, you know, just the social distancing and the fact that it could be airborne and, you know, all, all these things about this virus going around that, that actually happened. And that book specifies on Ebola, which is completely different than uh, COVID-19. But, you know, it's still, you, you, you get into a global pandemic, all bets are off. So you kind of take lessons from each each book, each movie, and, and try to compile, you know, what your game plan would be if, if things really All right, happen.
3: on the non-disaster front, I know your roommate, Carson Bustos, uh, NSN viewers may know him. He's a reporter for News 4 and Fox 11. Uh, Carson, you've been introducing him to a lot of different movies, like uh, The Departed, Fight Club. Never you give seen me, give me your What is your, so during this entire month, now that you've had a chance to rewatch all these movies with Carson, what's been the number one watch, like number one movie that you went back and watched?
6: You you can't top The Departed. Like that's scored Sazie's masterpiece. He won Best Picture off of it. It's such a complete film, cop drama. You know, I'm not. I'm not a rat. I'm not a cop. You know, (laughs) like going around like I'm not a cop. Um, So that one. That's a really, really bad. Was that that your? Was
3: that your Boston accent? (laughs) Yeah, it was. Oh my God.
6: Yeah, I'm (laughs) definitely a West Coast
5: kid. But
3: you should. uh, You should. You should not do that. Oh, I don't man. think you should. Do, I don't think you should try that anymore. Oh really man!
6: Top, you know, and and pretend like I'm like a DJ at a set and be like, "Covid nineteen, put your hands up," and then the <laughs> thing will drop. You know, it's it's just how I'm passing the time. But Departed's up there. We watched District Nine, which is a great one, underrated film on Netflix. I think everybody should see is Ex Machina. Came oh, out yeah, it's good. less than five years ago about robots, kind of Elon Musk vibes, you know, like Mad Scientist and Artificial Intelligence. You, know, you, you mix all that up. You write it well. It's it's a good movie. But uh, it's been awesome to, to see Carson experience these films for the first time, because a lot of these are just such classics that, uh, you know, are worth two, three, four, five watchings. I mean, I've seen The Departed like ten times probably, and uh, it never gets old.
0: Do we have to give Julian a lighter list of movies to watch, guys? I mean... <laughs> I mean, I mean, it's it's tough enough. It's got to be tough enough being a young man in your 20s. Social life is everything to you after your job, and he, he's he's reviewing these apocalypse movies. How about something like this? There you go, baby. Double feature, one and two. Take it.
6: You know, speaking of Keanu Reeves, I heard the John Wick series is great. Never dove into it. Very good. Yeah.
3: John Wick? It's actually better than you think. Yeah, yeah, it's good. Yeah, I've heard great things about it.
0: <laughs> Major good. League. Go watch Beer Fest. Go watch basketball. This yeah, is that's good.
3: actually another one. You'd never seen basketball, which I thought was total BS that you're like trying to complain to be this film Basketball, man, that's a classic American tale of, of two yes. young men uh, drinking a lot of beer and, and coming up with a random sport a like in their out? garage. Basketball, yeah, you know the the, the cinematography of basketball. Oh. Really, it's just a masterpiece of <laughs> film. The prose. Oh yeah, just the way they blended the, the narrative and the dialogue together with the the, the
1: shots of the movie. You know, <laughs> I can get you basketball. So you guys, are I have basketball sports. here. So Carson actually walks a dog uh, that is owned by somebody who lives like three blocks from me. I was walking my dog yesterday and I saw the NSN vehicle and I was like, that's really weird. Then I put two and two together. So that was probably Carson driving. So I will leave that on my porch. I think he, he walks a dog on Sundays. He walks the dog every day, but I think
6: that the dog owner comes back this week, so there is no dog walking. Again.
1: Oh. I was going to say, I could leave that for you guys to bond over. I can go.
6: is good. We, we could good. still make a run to South Reno. It's funny, actually. Carson's gotten a lot of eyes driving around in the NSN Mobile because he's like.
0: Wait, wait a minute. Carson's rolling around in a right? Yeah, ride? who approved that? Yeah, I,
6: I don't know who passed that, but I get to see it. It's it's not at my house where I'd show you guys because he, he went on a, a little quick trip. But uh, it's funny because Angus McClure – apparently saw him in South Reno and Carson said that there was just a man in, in a convertible Mustang, like honking and like waving and honking and waving. <laughs> no idea who it was. And I got a text from Angus saying, Hey, are, are you driving the NSN vehicle right now? I think I just saw you. And I, you know, I, it wasn't me. I would have waved back to Angus, but Carson was a little alarmed. He was like, Oh man, this is, this is too high profile for me. <laughs> All
0: right. got to get to some one other thing here. We're running out of time. Um, On Friday, Julian, uh, once again, never fears away from competition. You went head-to-head with Quentin Conway, former Nevada punter, in a beer pong contest. And I still have a tough time calling it beer pong because I went to college in the 90s where beer pong required a paddle. Um, Mm -hmm. But uh, you did it on Facebook, and this is kind of a pre Kind of a preview of something that's coming on NSN. NSN Something
6: on the horizon that I think we're all pretty excited about to launch, and uh, I'm just really stoked to see how the community responds to this type of thing. But yeah, uh, Quentin Conway and I, uh, friendly game of beer pong lasted an hour. I didn't know there was a time limit. It was very friendly, very very friendly. Like that's a good. Like there there was no real like pace to it. Like I I didn't uh, know what he threw. I need to figure that out a little bit better. But I ended up nailing the last cup. Q had two rebuttal shots, missed the first, made the second. Ice in his veins. Extra, extra innings for this whole thing, and uh, I just couldn't close. You know, I, I got through the seven and eight, and they, for some reason, the Dave Roberts and me threw in Kershaw, and uh, you know, here we oh, are. Wow, you Kershaw, you Kershawed
3: your own beer pong game. I Kershawed my own beer pong. I've been in my head about it all weekend. And never curt uh, Ker- never Kershaw beer pong game. Come on, yeah, man. Never
6: go full Kershaw. Go, go never have- go full Kershaw now. Show. that's that's the lesson in this whole thing but uh
0: don't I'm even go a quarter kelly and talk to chris murray about it never even go quarter kelly
3: did you see that video joe kelly like warming up julian he threw yeah. a ball into his own window yeah broke his window his wife looks a
6: little ticked off but he was learning a, a different pitch so i'm glad he's trying to add to his wheelhouse Change change.
0: up.
3: Change up. <laughs> it's called a change yeah it's a uh, pretty basic you know yeah, change had, up. Uh,
1: The the wife gave birth to twins last week so looks like a fastball and then
0: well, congratulations
1: to them. Yeah, got to fix the window. Got new uh,
0: thank you, Julian. <laughs> Appreciate your time being on here. Uh, coming up next on NSN Daily, we will continue a little Dodger news, mainly some baseball news, an update on the condition of Vince Scully after taking a pretty hard tumble. We'll have that coming up next. Welcome back into NSN Daily. It's been a very popular segment on our website, the GOAT Challenge, uh, 775 North of Nevada. South Lake Tahoe, our area, the best athletes this time around, Chris. Five seed in Lyle Overbay against 12-seed in Lisa Mackey. Mackey, possibly the greatest swimmer ever at the University of Nevada, the Australian native of Lyle Overbay out of Washington, Centralia, Washington. Great career in the majors, especially with the Blue Jays and the Brewers. How do you see this one sorting out? A lot of people voting Overbay.
1: Yeah, Overbay so far, um, it is the best baseball player in in the Wolfpack's history against arguably the the greatest swimmer, as you mentioned. I mean, Overbay was a tremendous baseball player at Nevada and then had by far the best MLB career. I mean, this is a guy who played in the big leagues for 14 years. Mm -hmm. Uh, He had a season where he hit uh, 310 and and basically should have been an all-star. He had another season where he led the league. Uh, in doubles so yeah just a tremendous player by far the most war of any player at the major league level Um, but Lisa Mackey had a tremendous career as well I mean she's one of only two uh, Wolfpack uh, swimmers to win an Olympic medal she won a bronze in 1996 as part of a relay team for Australia this is somebody who was a three-time Big West swimmer of the year I mean she was a nine-time All-American the most in in school history she competed uh, in the Olympics at age 16 and then again at age 20 um, yeah, just a tremendous, tremendous athlete. Uh, she is in the Hall of Fame, winning in 2009 and Lyle Overbay 2010. So their careers kind of overlapped as well. Mackie won 18 Big West championships in her career individually. She held a number of school records. So uh, I think it's going to be close, but I think Lyle Overbay wins just because baseball may be a little bit more popular this morning.
0: Yeah, then Lyle's going to win this one. Yeah, that famous picture of Lisa with her bronze medal, just smiling in the pool. Uh, the Olympians, Alex, are either. Black or white, they're either getting a ton of support or none. Yeah,
3: it's kind of crazy. I mean, it's it's neat, though, to to kind of learn about all these different stories and people and how they impacted the program. And I think that is one of the neat things about this deal. And as Chris has mentioned, you know, he could have gone more football players, more basketball players, more baseball players, but you're really seeing a very well-rounded group. And and to see uh, someone like Lisa in there is absolutely deserved. Uh, for Overbay, though, I mean, you're talking about a guy that won a World Series with the Arizona Diamondbacks hit 151 home runs, a really long Major League career. You said it, 14 seasons. So I think the name recognition is going to be stronger, but the name Mackie at the same time, I mean, that could, you know, maybe bode
0: well in her favor as well. We'll see how it plays out. It was fun covering both of their careers. Lyle, seeing him come out of the bullpen a couple of times because he had a big, big arm. A lot of people probably don't remember that, that Gary Powers sometimes used him as a closer, used him to to chew up some innings late in games. But, uh, yeah, Lyle, one of those – one of those class athletes I remember interviewing him after he got drafted in the rain outside of an apartment complex in Northwest Reno. Coming up here on NSN Daily, we'll wrap things up with some final thoughts as we finish up the, th- finish up the show. I want to thank Zane Meeks for coming on the show today. Also, Julian Delgado with his Film Friday segment. Alex, once again, can you give people the address? Where can they find Estella Tacos in Miscal?
3: Yeah, you can check them out right now, and Instagram is a really good way to, to find some information about how you can order. Uh, it's located on 4th and Evans right now. Of course, they're doing these taco kits that are takeaway. Uh, really, really good. Again, I, I had a blast doing this. The, the flavors were awesome. Uh, great people. It's a really cool new development downtown, and looking forward to you know, getting this thing all over with so we can go hang out in their patio, because they have a really cool outdoor little zone there uh, in the summertime, right across the street from Louis Basque.
0: Cool. Sounds good. Got to check it out. Thanks for joining us here on NSN Daily for Alex Margulies, Chris Murray, and Anthony Resnick. I'm Brian Samudia. We'll see you next time.